Good morning, First of Anne. Uh, if you, as you are turning to Colossians chapter 1, I just want to say uh, it is a privilege to be with you this morning. Um, a, a lot of times whenever I, I come to preach, um, I, I feel the weight of what occurs here. Um, I, I'm a fan of steak, and uh, sometimes I'll look online at, at some of the most expensive cuts of steak. There's something called uh, Wagyu steak where they, they fatten the calves and they massage them and they, they get this meat that, that is just perfectly uh, marbled. I, I've never had it uh, for two reasons. Number one, it would financially ruin me uh, to purchase it. Uh, but, but number two, if I ever, you, you know, got a large inheritance and was able to finally afford it, I, 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 would, I would feel a tremendous amount of pressure if I ever had the meat because I'd just be afraid it, it's, so, it's so delicious, it's so good. I don't want to ruin it. You know, I, I don't want to mess it up when I put it on the grill. And I, I just want you to know that coming before you with the Word of God, I, I feel that pressure. It's so beautiful. It's so delightful. It's so powerful. It's so meaningful. I hope I don't screw it up. And we're going to be reading in Colossians, and as we're reading today, I, I, I want us to just look at how this passage describes Christ, to fix our eyes on Him. Uh, we're going to be reading a large section, but really it's, it's just a small, small sliver that we'll focus on this morning, and I hope it's something that encourages you and focuses you as we head into the new year. We'll be reading from Colossians chapter 1, beginning in verse 7. Uh, we'll read through verse 20, Colossians 1, beginning in verse 7. Uh, if you would, please stand in honor of God and His Word if you are able. Hear now the Word of the Lord from Colossians chapter 1. I'm sorry, beginning in verse 9, not verse 7. Beginning in verse 9. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might. For all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of His beloved Son in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. 
All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. In him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that we as your people would receive your word. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and a mind to comprehend what is in your word. Lord, give us more of yourself as we seek you through your word. In the beautiful and precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray. Amen. Please be seated. We're reaching the conclusion of 2023. Almost made it. And, and we're now on the eve of 2024. Uh, people typically do two things at this time period. Typically, they look back. They look back on the year and, and see what's happened, and then they look forward, oftentimes to create goals and resolutions. Uh, usually, mine goes something like, man, I really need to lose 30 pounds. And then for a couple months, I'll lose, a little pound, uh, I'll lose some weight, and then by the time March rolls around, I think, man, only 35 more pounds to go. Uh, but despite some of the failures of our goals and resolutions, taking time for reflection and direction are good things. Because reflecting on goals often helps us reflect on our purpose. Why are we here? For what end are we made? And how do we pursue our purpose? How do we get the energy and the power in order to obtain those objectives? I'd like to talk about how this text addresses our purpose. And then I'd like us to look at how we have the power to pursue that purpose. And uh, we read a lot, and we read a lot really just because this passage is so beautiful. Uh, but our main focus, especially in the first half, is, is, is going to be really on a short section of this. Colossians is a wonderful book. I'm encouraged to see that there's uh, a young adults study uh, that's going on on the book of Colossians, as well as a men's study that includes Colossians as a part of its uh, um, corpus that you're studying. But Colossians is wonderful, and, and Colossians, one of the reasons it's so wonderful is it's all about the supremacy of Christ, that Christ is over all, that He is Lord, that He is above all things. 
And in this passage, we, we have a, a beautiful description of that. And one line that guides us, that directs us, well, actually, there are many lines, but the one line I want to focus on and single out as we start off is just this little line. All things were created through him and for him. The end of verse 17, all things were created through him and for him. And I want you to think about that phrase as we look at, as we ask the question, what is my purpose? And the first thing I want to tell you is your purpose is relational. Your, your purpose is relational. Really, the question is not what is my purpose, but who is my purpose? Uh, we, we have a tendency, don't we, to be kind of work-oriented, activity-oriented. Uh, we have objectives and activities, and, and they, they tend to... Uh, be more work and object and accomplishment-oriented than relational. I, I was thinking about this as I was talking with a friend recently. It's a friend who uh, had sold the family business and now had a lot of options laid out before him. And my question, of course, was, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with your time? What are you... What are you what are you going to do? And as we discussed the question, there was some uncertainty on his behalf, on his side. But as I discussed to him, I, I discussed it with him. I realized he, his objectives, uh, were not centered around a what, but a who. He was going to spend more time with family. He was going to visit the friends and relatives that he hadn't had time to see for a long, that he hadn't had time or opportunity to see in a long time. And through that discussion, I realized that's an odd thing to ask people. Why do we ask, what are you going to do, and not who are you going to spend your time with? It's interesting because that really changes uh, everything. I've had a lot of... Uh, jobs in my day. You know, I've, I've mowed lawns. I've, uh, well, I wasn't the one sawing down trees, but I was the grunt labor that was hauling them, you know, to the, to the sidewalks as uh, more experienced people operated uh, chainsaws. I've, I've had, I've worked for a mechanic. I got him uh, car parts and sonic drinks. You know, I've had, I've had a lot of random assortment of various jobs. Um, and one of the things that makes a big difference is who you're doing it with. I've, I've had some jobs that would be very miserable if it weren't for the company. But if you're around somebody who brings you joy, who brings you inspiration, who are fun to be around, then even miserable jobs can become enjoyable can become delightful. We are, whether we'd like to admit it or not, built for relationships. One of the things that was bad in a pre-fallen world is that man was alone. Our purpose 
is found in relationship. Your person, your purpose is found in relationship. It's found in a person, the person, Jesus Christ. You exist for him. That is, if you consider yourself in the category of all things, right? The text is pretty comprehensive. All things were created through him and for him. That means I was created for him. That means you were created for him. Not created for an objective, but for a person. A person of Jesus Christ. Now, there's a, a phrase that runs through Colossians, and it's, it's hard to see in English because it's one word in Greek uh, that can be translated a, a couple different ways in English, and it's the word uh, pas. Pas can be translated all or every. So as you're reading through this text and you see something that says all or every, it's probably that one word, and it brings a lot more punch having that word over and over again. But pas refers to a totality with a focus on the individual parts. And the English translators uh, have to kind of pick and choose which side of the emphasis, whether it's the totality or the individual parts that they want to focus. So, uh, for example, if you wanted to focus on the totality element, you would say something like, all first of Anners. If you wanted to focus on the individual components, you could say every first of Anner. But, but this, this word has a sense of both. So when it says all things, it is a totality that is being referred to with emphasis on the individual components. All things were created through him and for him. You could do a whole study just on, on that word in this passage. He's before all things. In him all things hold together. You earlier have, have things that are, that are said where bearing fruit in every good work, that, that's the word pos, in all good works. You have this emphasis, all endurance, all power. This word is, is repeated, and again, it's used to emphasize the supremacy of Christ over these things and the generosity with which his blessings are poured out. All things are made for Jesus Christ. That is a totality that includes you individually. So the first thing we see is our purpose is relational. You are made for Christ, a person. Secondly, we see your purpose is original. Your purpose is original. Now, I'm playing with the word original a little bit here. When I say your purpose is original, I mean from the beginning, from your origin. And this is different than the way our culture thinks, isn't it? Because we we live in a culture where Your job is to discover 
and to create your purpose. You, you do not have in your origin or in your birth a purpose. It's something that must be explored and discovered as you discover who you are. But that's not what this text says. It says all things were created through him. That is, Christ is our origin. And Christ as our origin gives us our purpose. All things were created through him and for him. A, a creator has rights and prerogatives over the, what they have made that other people don't get. The potter gets to determine what the clay is formed into and how the piece is to be used. The artist gets to determine what colors are painted on the canvas. The author gets to determine who the characters are and what their roles are. What is our origin? Where did I come from? Again, the, the question doesn't quite hit the mark because it's not what, it's who. Who is my origin? Who is my source? Who was I made through? Christ. Christ is your author. Therefore, he has authority over you. Christ, as the author of your life, has authority over you. He has made you, and he has made you for a purpose. You weren't, you weren't an accident, which, by the way, is what our culture says. A blind universe can create accidents, unneeded and unwanted things and people, but Christ, the pre-incarnate Word, who was with God and was God from the beginning, does not create waste. All things were created through Him and for Him. As a creature, you exist for your Creator. By the way, I'm, I'm not a creative person, but most creative people delight in what they're making. Most creative people delight in what they're making. There's some joy for the sculptor to sculpt the marble. There's some joy for the potter to bring forth shape out of the clay. There's some joy in the musician who composes. You have been made by his delight and for his delight. We see this earlier in verse 10. Paul, Paul is praying in verse 10, and he's praying that the, the Colossians might be filled in order that they might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully, again, that's that word pas, pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So they, they're to walk in a way that honors the Lord and pleases the Lord. You exist for the pleasure of your Lord. 
That is, is your purpose. He has, he has created you for his pleasure, for his delight. Again, that's, uh, the word pos is by that word pleasing. You know, if, you, if you're roughly translating it, you could call it, say, in all pleasing or in every pleasing. But that's kind of awkward, isn't it? But you get the sense from that, don't you? You, you get the sense that all we do ought to be pleasing to our Lord and that in everything he might find delight in us because that's what we are made for. That's what we were created for. Now, this applies not only to our creation if you are a believer, but it also applies to our recreation. There's a sense in which Christ has made you twice. If you're a believer, we, and we don't start out when we are born as objects pleasing to the Lord. We start out as objects of wrath, as those who are born in sin and have sinned in offense to God. We've offended him by our idolatry. Idolatry, by the way, is the ungodding of God, of, of, of treating something else as that which is worthy of all honor and praise and delight. We live in a culture of self where everything is geared towards finding delight in yourself, finding pleasure in yourself, acting as though everything is built for your delight and your enjoyment, and, and therefore we are living in an idolatrous age treating something that isn't God as God, as well as treating God as something less than God. From the womb, we fail to honor Him as He ought to be honored. We fail to treat Him as fully God. And we are, in that state, objects of wrath. In, in order to be pleasing to Him, we have to be reconciled to him. We have to be remade. We have to be recreated. We have to be reconciled. The hostility that is between us and a holy God has to be dealt with. And this is what Christ does. He provides the forgiveness. He provides the rec re reconciliation. He provides for us to be remade. Christ has not only created us, He has redeemed us. That is, He, he has made us physically, and if we are saved, He has remade us spiritually. So if, if you're a believer, you're under a double obligation. You're not under an obligation as a creature who is made through Christ, for Christ, but as a member of the church, as a member of the redeemed, as a member of the household of God, you have also been made through Christ and for Christ. 
Your purpose is in your origin and your origin, but physically and spiritually, I hope and pray, is in Christ. He has made us and he has saved us. Um, I don't speak Japanese, so I pray that you'll forgive me because uh, I'm about to butcher a Japanese word. There's a Japanese word called uh, kintsugi. Uh, it's from the Japanese word kin, gold, and tsugi, to join. And it's a form of pottery. And what kintsugi does is when you break a pot or a vessel, it uses a process to form those pieces back together. And in the joints of those pieces, what they use is gold to meld the broken pieces back together once again. And, and as a result of this, the objects which have been broken and then repaired with this method are more valuable than what they originally were. Saints, when, when, we, when Christ finds us, we are broken And we are repaired and healed by something far more valuable than gold and silver. We are healed by the blood of Christ, our value by being restored by Him is inestimable. That which has been repaired by the blood of Christ is far more valuable than gold or silver and does not lose value by being repaired by it, but gains value. Christ is your origin. All things are created through him and for him. Your purpose exists. Whether you recognize it or not, whether you see it or not, whether you discover it or not, both as a creation and as a new creation, you have been made for him. The third thing I want to emphasize in terms of our purpose is our purpose is also universal. Notice I switch from saying your to our. All things were created through him and for him. Notice that is a universal scope. All things, which means not only do I exist for Christ, but you also exist for Christ. Remember, pas refers to a totality with a focus on its individual components. The totality of all things emphasizes the supremacy of Christ above everything. All things, not one thing, all things, not a few things. All things, not most things. All things, not many things. All things, not most things. All things were created through him and for him. This, by the way, applies also to all categories. Not some nations, not just America, but all nations exist for him. That's why we do missions. It applies to all people, not just me, but the person who cuts me off on 385 on my way to church. My neighbors, my friends, my relatives, my strangers. 
my enemies. They are all made for Christ. It applies to all generations. All generations are made for him. Boomers are made for him. Gen X is made for him. Millennials are made for him. Gen Z, Gen Alpha, all are made for Christ and his glory. All creation that we can see and all that we can't see, all that is in heaven and all that is in earth, all was made through him and for him. All things. You get the picture? Our purpose is universal. You cannot understand yourself or any other thing in this world unless you understand how it relates to Christ. Most of us go through life as acting as though everything exists for us, to give us pleasure, to give ourselves glory. As we've said, this is the default stance of our culture. <coughs> but they don't. They exist to give glory and pleasure to the author of all creation. Therefore, I don't understand my parents unless I understand how they exist through Christ and for Christ. I don't understand my children unless I understand that they exist through Christ and for Christ. I don't understand my wife unless I understand that she exists through Christ and for Christ. I don't understand the church unless I understand that it exists through Christ and for Christ. You see how this radically changes the way we see and interact with everything. I, I want you to think about you know, if you were an expert, maybe you are in one area, if you're an expert in one thing, you know, if you were asked to do a TED Talk, what would be the one thing that you would pick? What would be the one thing that you think, I, I, I could teach most people about this? If you were to answer the question, I'm an expert in blank, what would you fill in that blank? You got it? That thing exists for Christ. I think about the disciples, Andrew, Peter, James, and John. If they were answering that question, they'd probably say fishing, right? Specifically fishing on the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias, as it's alternatively, alternatively called. Now, there are a couple times when, when the disciples are on the Sea of Galilee and they're fishing, and someone who is not a fisherman tells them what to do. In Luke 5, Jesus tells them to go back out again. They say, look, we've been doing it all day. But because you say so, we'll, we'll go back out. We'll, we'll indulge you, Jesus. Afterwards, Peter, Peter says, get away from me. I'm an unclean man. Because he recognizes that the thing he thought he knew the most about, Christ knows more about. Do you know why? Because the fish in the Sea of Galilee exists through Christ and for Christ. I have a, you know, the privilege of working with some incredible teachers uh, at Westminster Academy. There's, there's one who's uh, a mathematician, uh, which is an area of, of obscurity and blindness in my life. 
And uh, I've listened to him talk. We've, we've, we've been doing professional development and this year's emphasis is on how we're all mathematicians. Some might be better mathematicians than others. Um, and when I hear him talk, I can tell he understands mathematics better than me because he sees how mathematics brings glory and honor to Christ. And when he, when he talks, it just pours out of him. And you, and you can hear it in, in his voice. It, it's so beautiful to him, he almost cries. I've cried about mathematics for very different reasons. <laughs> But I see that he sees that better because he sees how it is made by Christ and for Christ. Now, I, I, I want to talk really briefly about our power. If we get this purpose, if we get this idea that all things exist through him and, and for him, um, we have to recognize that even if we get our purpose right, we can still get things wrong. Uh, I, I want you... got too much to say and too little time to do it. I want you to think about the purpose and the power through which we pursue it as two wheels in a bicycle. And, and um, for most of us, trying to ride a, a bicycle with one wheel or the other uh, is a very frustrating task, a very futile task. And, and there are certain people who claim Christ who can be living in such a way <clears throat> that either the purpose is off or the power is off. I, I want you to notice our, our text, especially earlier, emphasizes, I, I, I just want you to listen again to the, our text, and I want you to listen to who's doing the work. Who's doing the work? So listen. From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you. So Paul is trying to get the Colossians to accomplish their purpose, and his primary means is prayer. That is, he is asking God to do something for and in the Colossians. If not cease to pray for you, asking that you may be filled. Do they fill themselves? With the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. May you be strengthened. Do we strengthen ourselves? Or does he strengthen us with all power according to his glorious might? Whose power strengthens us for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you? Do we qualify ourselves? to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us. Do we deliver ourselves from the domain of darkness and transferred? Do we transfer ourselves into the kingdom of his beloved son 
in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Who's doing the work? Who has the power? Where does this power come from? It's not in and of ourselves. And there, there's a way to live the Christian life where somebody realizes their purpose. They realize, man, I am made for Christ. My goal is to bring him delight. And then they try to accomplish that through their own power and ability. And you know what happens? One of two things. They either think they succeed and they fall into pride and hypocrisy and self-deception and arrogance. Or they recognize that they fail, that they don't live up to God's standard, that they repeatedly fail to bring delight to Him, and they get frustrated and think, I've got this purpose, but it's impossible. I've done everything I can. I still fall over. The bike still tips. The wheels don't move. But yes, we, we pursue His purpose, but we pursue His purpose through His power. The section after our text also, also speaks of Christ as He is before all things, and in Him all things hold together. You started by faith. You're sustained by faith. You started by the forgiving power of Christ. You continue through the power of Christ. Christ is our only refuge. Christ is our source. Christ is our energy. The world has no concept of Christ's purpose, nor does it have the power to pursue it. Saints, we've been blessed by both in Christ Jesus. The Christian life then becomes joyfully pursuing, delighting Christ through the power He gives me to accomplish that task. Very briefly, there's, there's no, I've, I've lost my time. <laughs> We've sung, oh, come, let us adore him. But don't stop that after the Christmas lights come down. We adore him at his birth. We adore him in his life. We adore him in his death. We adore him in his resurrection. We adore Him now as He is seated at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. We adore Him when He returns to establish His rule and reign. We will adore Him for all eternity, casting down our crowns and treasures before Him. All things were created through Him and for Him. Let us pray. Lord, may you be our joy, our righteousness, our freedom, our steadfast love. May you be our deep and boundless peace. May Jesus Christ be the joy and delight of our souls, giving us endurance and patience through all of life's trials. May Jesus be your purpose and your power for the new year. And for all years to come until we see him face to face and are made like him. To Christ.
be all honor and glory and praise, now and forever. Amen.